Hey, what's up, y'all? This is part two of a multi-part episode. So if you have not heard part one yet, then by all means, go back and listen to part one, which should be the previous episode before listening to this one. And if you have listened to part one, then by all means, go ahead and enjoy what's to come. And here we go. If reparations happen, after reparations, they're still going to be significantly worse off than their white peers. Uh, even like the gap's going to close very little, but the gap between them, black people from the hood, is going to close much more. Oh, sure. massively. Sure. Massively. I live not, next door to you now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, 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 you know, you're, you're my landlord. Nigga, you love to hate and I live next door now. <laughs> or or how, about, how about you're my landlord now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You actually qualify. <laughs> you actually qualify. Like, like you, you with your city job, you with your city job, which makes like, you know, half of mine and your reparations money, you know, and, you know, your husband or whatever, his money too, might qualify you for a house in my neighborhood easier than me being single with my underemployment and my six-figure college debt. Like, you know, yeah. it's going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to be, they may I know, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but something's going to happen. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, whether they eliminate student debt, I don't know. Well, that could be a part of the package. I don't see why that. that why yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. That can definitely be a part of the package, but I'm, I'm never going, you know, you guys know, I never talk about degrees and I have two of them. Like, I'm yeah. in the hood. Like, I don't give a fuck about them damn degrees. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Because it ain't afforded me shit tangibly in this uh-huh. world. You know what I'm saying? And that that fake the fake shit that doesn't get anything I don't get anything out of that so just going around running around telling people you got two degrees but you only make fifty thousand dollars a year shut the fuck up one one good strategy that you're I not think, winning yeah one yeah. good strategy that I think should be considered right is um this you consider supporting the cancel all student debt thing uh the ADO Western reparations crew because because I think that whole pressure because of reparations and that uh, proposed paycheck made it possible for people to consider this because yeah. people because one of the one of the things about the whole black on bad black black on bottom white on top thing and the whole black pathology realism thing is that because we're always supposed to be in the bottom because we're supposed to be slaves once something becomes entertainable for us it's suddenly because it's entertainable for everyone else everybody so right so it's like once you reach a point where giving a trillion dollars to niggers becomes an actual viable thing to talk about to the point where you have a congressional hearing, then, hey, why not give it to white kids? Yeah. Too? You know, like, suddenly yeah. the student loan thing... So, one thing I think will happen if that student loan thing happens, I bet you a lot of these... I might be giving them too much credit, but I think a lot of these bougie black saboteurs... Mm-hmm will suddenly come around a reparations thing because they're like, hey, now we're debt free too. This is going to preserve like uh, the inner racial hierarchy. Now, yeah. we all, if we all get re- reparations now, you know, because now it's going to be my reparations payment and my bushy job yeah. against your reparations payment and your um, blue collar job. Mm-hmm. So now I kind of feel like, a, you know, at least I'm still above you. And yeah, I think, I think something something's. I don't know what after I after I gambled on Donald Trump. I didn't believe Donald Trump was gonna win. You guys remember that? I was like, shit, yeah. no fucking way. And that motherfucker won. Hey man, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Anything, <laughs> anything can, happen. can happen, man. But I think the trick is to not let them sell the student loans as a repar- as a replacement. No, reparations. now that that's going to be the trick bag. That's what they're exa- gonna try to do. That's the trick bag, exactly. And they're they're already starting it because they're trying to point out, hey, look, uh, black students disproportionately hold debt. So this is actually gonna be a a, a black. Uh, Things. It's almost reparations, you know. This, like, is how, this is how the, don't the, do that. This is an everybody yeah. thing. This and this is how do. the how dumb how dumb these same blavity idiots are. They'll they'll they know damn well that the student debt thing. Yeah, okay, yeah. Black people have dis, uh, dis, 
disproportionate amount of student debt, but black people have disproportionate amount of everything. Yeah. So don't think that just because you name student debt. No, there's more things. We're disproportionately in prison. We're the the last ones hired. We're the ones that have the worst nutrition. We live in the worst neighborhood. So no, we're not going to take a piece of, well, you get this crumb here. No, it's all or nothing. And, and, and what people don't get too is, it's what we're talking about before, everything black people get has to be viewed as charity or yeah. a social service. And so the language around reparations is around, is similar to that around welfare, unemployment, or the GI Bill. Like people treat yeah. it like a social program. With social yeah. programs, you get to decide as a grantor how the money gets received, and how it's used. no damn social program. Exactly. Yeah, because yeah. like with welfare, you can say it. You can say welfare, if you have this many kids, you can't get this. Yeah. If you have this, you can't get this. Uh, or to get the GI Bill, you need to spend this amount of years in in the military. In, in the military. Right. That's how social programs uh, work. And people are just naturally talking about reparations as a social program because no. once it's going to black people, their mindset defaults to that, even the pro-reparations mm-hmm. people. So people are saying, well, you know, let them have to do this to qualify for reparations. Or let it be like, you know, if you're a felon, you can't get reparations. God or damn. If you're shit. this... Motherfuckers that ended up felons because of the shit that happened because of why we're asking yeah. reparations because wow. of racism and white yeah, supremacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the, a reason the, why we have a lot that, of felons that, out that, here. That right there is the most asinine, one of the most well, asinine ones I've well, heard. But well, well, actually, that's the more extreme one. So like, forget forget that one. But but whatever ones that people are using as things that to make like uh, oh. A business loan, which means okay, you have to qualify <laughs> for a business was that, now. Dude, that was fuck, yeah, oh, yeah the, the business loan one is the dumbest, <laughs> That's stupid dumbest fuck, one. Man. Yeah, stupid yeah. Motherfuckers talking about giving us loans. I mean, you stupid fuck. That's just more debt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dumb fuck. <laughs> yeah, because they'll blow their but, money. But that's social. Right, but then give yeah. them loans and expect people to run a business. Get, you know, yeah, yeah, motherfuckers want to be in then, the white system regardless. They don't but care. Then that makes thing that makes no sense, right? Then it makes no sense if you're getting cash, uh, straight, free and clear, and you're not supposed to get the cash free and clear because you're gonna blow it. Then a loan is the worst thing to get right. because worse. you're still getting the cash. Like, like, uh, and this is why I think the fucked up mentality of it is, and they're telling on themselves, right? They feel so low about other black people and also themselves as black people. They feel like if I'm accountable to myself for this money, I'm not going to treat it right. I'm going to blow it. But on some level, they think if I have a white person to re- to answer to, if I have a white person who's holding a loan over me, like I'm going to treat this money more valuable. You know, yeah. like like on a certain level, you kind of and that must mean you on some level. Like the money was seriously. printed differently. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But that must, be, that must mean you on some level treat your responsibilities to white people more seriously than your responsibilities to black people. And you're projecting that mindset on right. everybody. Like, you know, it's like it's like yeah. when when it's a white person. And you see with this blavity. It's like the way they talk shit to black people on online is not how they talk shit to, to white people. Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. And they think the same. They think every black person is like that. So it's like, hey, if this money isn't being owed to a white person, if it's just my money, I'm just going to fuck it off. But a white person is going to look down on me for not paying it back. Or if a white person is on my back, that's going to keep me honest. Like, you know, that's that's a very kind of sick. And they don't even what see that it. shows is that they don't have any accountability to black it, yeah. people because they feel like they can because black people, you know, there's no accountability. So they feel like they can treat black people any old kind of way because they don't have to. You know, these but, black but, but, people, they don't have to deal with us. They don't have to come. To but it also community. applies to themselves because they would rather have a loan than the money free and clear. Like, yeah, they, like, yeah. like they believe that they 
treat the responsibilities to white people. And, and, and if that's how you want it for you, fine. Just don't speak for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Don't right. speak right. for me. You know, turn what it, because, turn it down. Ask right. for a loan, and let yeah, other people get, loan, to get the grant. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, dude. I don't. If it, if it, if it did happen, which you know, I don't know if it's gonna happen. I don't know anything anymore. But if it did happen, them was those are the last people you want speaking for you. What I think yep. really scares them isn't that black people are all going to fuck it off and trick it off. Because I think if that happened, in a way, they'd be kind of happy because it kind of reinforces them as a chosen class. I think what they're afraid of is a lot of people aren't and they're going to do well and even do better than them. Oh, yeah. And then if that happens, then you have to consider, I will just maybe born lucky with um, some luckier breaks. And these yeah. ADOS could be could have been as good or better than me all along if they got some breaks too and this Absolutely. kind of superiority i have is one of the talent intent ados or one of these or one of these immigrant black ados uh this superiority i feel because that's a, that's what i think everyone's security blanket is is that we can always look down on ados like yeah that's gonna be gone and it's like wait not only am I, as much a nigger as in the ados i might be yeah. more of one you well, know no, I mean? and i have to compete yeah because that's what they don't want. They don't want to compete. And you know, yeah, for you know sure. What I'm and you know how like some, you know how some people are afraid of of having all the chips in their favor because at that point they have nothing else to do, no, no excuses. excuses, no one to blame. Yeah. If you blow no it, excuses. it's all on you. And I think that plays into it a lot too. Probably more than most people would yeah. care to admit. Honestly, I yeah, agree. You know? I agree because it, it it plays an effect with them and it plays an effect when it's other people and they're not going to get a part of it. Like for example, like um. There, I think a lot of people. Actually, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. That was that was just it. If you if you get 250k, let's just say free and clear, you don't owe anything back. You don't 250 thousand dollars cash money, free and clear, and you trick it off. That's on you. It's, it's, there's literally yeah. nothing you you have no one else to blame. You know, and um, yeah, you have no one else. Yeah, you have no one else to blame. Also, if you're one of the higher up black people and you get your 250 thousand, the so-called hood. Uh, black person that you look down on and who your whole sense of value because uh, that that's a big part of our community and I think we don't talk mm-hmm. about it enough is the poison like the self hate yeah. and you see in things like the Chris the Chris Rock the um, nigga. niggas versus yeah. black people joke yeah. mm-hmm. like as much as white people love it uh, sometimes a black person loves that joke like Absolutely. they love the idea I am black, I'm not a nigger. Like, 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 like the idea that a nigger is something you can be, not something you mm. are born. Because yeah. if a nigger is something that you have to become, then I can behave my way out of that status. But if a nigger is just being black in a supreme, system of white supremacy, no matter how much money I make, always going to be a nigger. And the nigger versus black people narrative, they love it because it's like, I have a hope to escape niggerdom. And white people love it for a different reason. White people love it is because we like saying this because first, it makes us look better. Like, hey, we're not people keeping everybody down. We're just rewarding the hardest workers. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's about hard work. And you'll get rewarded if you do hard work, you know? And we love black people. We just don't like- um, Niggers. Niggers. And good black people don't like niggers too, see? So we're right for not liking them. We're just saying what the good blacks are right. thinking, you know? And it's very it's insidious. Yeah. But the second part, and this is what people don't give a lot of credit for, the other thing they like about that is because you know it's not true and everyone is still a nigger as long as you're black, they get the extra fun of it of at any given time, the joy of yanking the rug out of mm. the black person you got to believe it. Because yeah, at man. any given time, you can give him their nigger wake up call. Because one thing about- You're always black one black mistake jo- away from being a nigger. Yeah. 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 And yep. 
something about white people jokes and black people jokes, and I think Nina Furrow said this, and it's so true. Like white people make one, five, 10, and 20 year plans, right? And they make like also multi-generational plans because they have like the situation a lot of times to be able to think about that. They don't have to think about where the next meal's coming from, whatever. They can think like several levels ahead. They, they could plan generations ahead. They could plan years. Like, you know, most black people don't have a one, five, 10 right. year plan. You know, it's just like, how am I gonna get past this next year? But Nina Futter said that that type of thinking that white people have, they have it with jokes too. They can tell a joke that takes an hour a day a week a year a generation to pay off like they can hold the punchline to a joke way down the future whereas black people the joke the punchline they expect to, to happen in the next five minutes the nigger you know? versus black uh, person joke is actually if you really think about it it's based on an old racist white trope that developed during jim crow absolutely you know? yeah yeah, yeah. But, but that but that delayed punchline to the joke is when you let a black person believe the setup which is hey you're not a nigga you're a black person you're better than them and then 10 years or 20 years of you believing in that <laughs> they'll fuck you and remind oh, you you're a nigga evil, and right. that, that that was a punchline that was a joke bro, that's right. evil as hell. that was yeah. it you know like like we were waiting 20 years to hit you with this yeah. punchline you know yeah. and yep. We hit it with you at like we we at the best part of the practical joke like, like you know you know like how Carrie if they spilled the blood on Carrie day one when they were fucking they, with but, her but they waited it, they waited till the to the, the prom, the prom. Yeah. yeah they waited till the prom that like white people like to fuck you on the best day of your life yeah. and that's what they do like they can big they can play out jokes that long the punchline that long it's, it's funny it's funny you said that because um this job I had uh I you know it was a regular job uh, actually it was the, the last job I had um. Still working for the same organization, but I was in a different building. I worked in a, a welfare office, basically. And uh, the funding, uh, Department of Human Services funding got cut, right? So I'm the only uh, black guy there. So when the funding got cut, my position was getting cut. Now, I never told these people that I had already got another position. I was, I'm was i a supervisor now, blah, blah, blah. I never tell them anything because I just love to see the look on their face. But when they found out the funding got cut and my job was going to be gone, oh, dude, it turned into... One of those, oh man, we're sorry, da 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 da, you know. But once we got closer to that day, oh, those motherfuckers were feeling great about themselves. They felt great, and I was like, damn, this is crazy. So they, at the end, they asked me where I was gonna go. Like, oh, so what are you gonna do now? You know what I mean? Waiting for the punchline, you know? They yeah. Were waiting for me to say, oh, I don't know, man. I guess I'll just collect unemployment. I was like, oh no, I'm a supervisor now. Like, what? How'd that happen? None of your fucking business. Fuck out of my business. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I just, I wore sweats and a hoodie on my last day there in some Jordans. Fucking walked the fuck up out of there. I was like, man, oh, they gotta be fucking kidding me. They must have been pissed. Oh, they were pissed, dude. This, this this lady came up to me. She was like, well, we're not all like Kenny. We all didn't get a golden parachute. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, I work for this shit. Are right, you serious? Right, right. Oh, oh, but everything everything shit. is always a gift. Everything oh, is it's always, always a gift. It's always, always, always a, a gift. gift. You know, never mind. I work for a black like, organization. Like, yeah. like if you went to college, got a degree, went to graduate school, got a degree, the fact that you're working in the white law firm is still a gift of it's white benevolence. Gift. Because yeah. you're supposed to be a slave. Like, you know, like, even yeah. if you're supposed to be a slave, right? Now you can do what we take for granted. Like, you know, you should be grateful. Damn, like, everything. Man, that hits hard, like, man. That is real close to yeah, home. Real you know, I, had a, I have an uncle. Yeah. And he's worked for this company, Longo Toyota, Longo Toyota out here in uh, El Monte, California. And he's worked there for like 35 years, you know, since like the, oh, shit, what? Since like the 80s. And um, my uncle didn't graduate from high school. He had to go back and get his GED. And um, I remember like he he always gets passed over for, um, uh, uh, damn, I'm having a brain, uh, promotions and things like 
that. He he just always gets passed over. He's like the only black guy that works there in the in the in the office level or anything like that. And I remember um, there was a guy. He was one of the general managers or something like that, higher up. And they were talking about um, laying people off or something. Something in my uncle's name came up, and the guy said you know, he's even lucky he has a job. You know, like it was just disdain in his voice when that was relayed back to us what was said, and it was just like God damn. You know, when you guys were talking about that, that that came up because um, that kind of hit close. Like, and that came from no, a, black it was a white person. person that said that. Yeah, okay, white, white person. person. Okay, my uncle. wow. Well, he's even he's lucky to even have a job because you know Longo has been hit but, with but, several but, civil suits because of racism. They've had a lot of fucked up shit oh, yeah. that's happened to yeah. Uncle Toyota. Oh, yeah. man. Like they locked a black guy in a in the trunk of a car one time. Like just some real what? wild shit, man. And it's really it's really tough because you're supposed to be grateful that you're even in the door and stuff. And it's it's so it's so fucking. Yeah, they nuts, got me man. up out of there. I worked there. They got me up out of there. I, somebody called me a nigger, and I was getting ready to fight oh, wow. the guy. And uh, the guy ended up getting fired, but they had their eye on me the whole time after that. So after he got fired, I got fired like a month after he did. Oh yeah, <laughs> for some petty shit. Yeah. Oh for sure. Yeah. No no, the balance always has to be restored right. to the force, and the force yeah, being absolutely. white supremacy. The balance always has to be restored. You, might be you know the motherfucker had the nerve to say to me, the, the general manager. He actually had the nerve to say to me, "Well, yeah, but I heard that you were getting ready to try to fight him, and if you would have fought him, oh. you would have probably gotten fired too." I said, "But I didn't fight him, so why are you even bringing that up?" Like, but but even but even if you did, like for example. If it was something that offended their white sensibility, like someone said, hey, I'm going to rape yeah. your wife, and then a white guy fought, They'd be fought him, yeah, I doubt they would fight a white right. guy for that. You know, it's because deep down they think that, you know, he only really called you what you mm-hmm. are, which is a nigger. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like uh, he, he just said the quiet part out loud that's yeah. true. So it's kind of like we can't get that mad. It's kind of like how would holocaust people or japanese reparation people nobody talked about hey uh when they get their holocaust payoff how are they going to spend it you know because this understanding that it's old like you know it wasn't like they even put it on the table and then resolved it was saying oh they're gonna spend it well it was never even allowed to be a question because everybody just knew these are other human beings whose default state is to be free they're supposed to be free. So you don't have to question anything or act like this is not something wrong and there's a debt being paid because they're they're humans like us. Yeah, but with us, it's like, you know, does that family dog have a claim you reneged on your promise to put him on right. the mortgage. You know, because people would kind of realize well, it was kind of stupid to put a family dog on the mortgage anyway. There's a <laughs> right, dog. Right, right. You know, yeah, so. Man, that's a hell of a, that's a so fucked up analogy, but it's so true. <laughs> yeah, it is, right? <laughs> Can I just say this real quick, though, as a side note about yeah. that, that long ago? Damn, that's a fucked up analogy. But <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, one thing, one thing, one thing I, one thing I've learned from re listening to the show, like in the binge, is like, wow, like I'm a depressing guy. <laughs> like, I'm, I, it's amazing people want to tune in and hear more about. What, what I have yeah. to say because I have a lot of depressing analogies. I was listening to myself. I was like, "Wow, that's crazy." That's- but see, I don't hear it as that. I, it's 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 a lot of takes that you didn't think. You know what it does? It, some of the most depressing analogies are the ones that make you really come to the deep truth of something. You know what I'm saying? Like you, yeah. you can hear something and it sounds fucked up, but then when you really dig deep into it, it's like, God damn, you know that is true though. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what you just said <laughs> yeah, about the dog. That's yeah. really what we, it's really what we but, are. Uh, going back to that Longo situation, I just got to say this. This is one of those situations that kind of threw me for a loop because uh, we used to talk about politics a lot and uh, Clinton was president at the time and like he had a lot of supporters at that company. A lot of the higher ups were, were Bill Clinton, you know, liberal Democrats and whatnot. We had this one guy that was like a super conservative and what was funny is he's the guy that pushed the hardest to fire the guy that called me a nigger and the Democrat, the liberal dudes were the ones that were kind of su- 
super reluctant to fire the dude. And the liberals were the ones that ended up firing me later on down the line. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, That's funny. I found that crazy. just a side note, but I just kind of found it was one of those moments that kind of gave me pause. Like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, that's um, crazy. It is crazy. I, I want to say one more thing about Mike. People Cassidy. don't, please don't. I feel like we're doing what we always do and Mike would be laughing right along with us. We keep yeah. going back and forth and digressing <laughs> and coming back to it. Mike would be laughing right now. Trust me, this is normal. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. But it, it, but also, people don't realize too that we've worked out a lot of this behind the yeah. scenes already. So it's like, this is not like our first. So it's weird. It's like first time hearing us talk about it, but we've like, talked about like a lot um behind the scenes and stuff and we're planning to do like a full-fledged uh tribute episode with clips and everything that's why uh i've been listening to all these back shows and stuff but um one thing with um mike too is like i feel like it's only recently like i've kind of gotten back in the in the groove and everything you know but um one thing with mike is that he really made me feel like this show had a possibility to have like deeper impact you know what i mean that he would uh because what i liked really was that he didn't just treat it like um a job or a duty but he was like i feel like really like a fan of what we talked about like you know he had like a real like enthusiasm for what we were talking about you know that uh i think would like reinfect me sometimes because sometimes i would get kind of uh jaded or just be like so much of all this scene is just so like terrible Mm. and stuff and he would like kind of like reinfect me with like an enthusiasm a lot of the time you know I, i i don't know if you ever had that experience but that used to happen to yeah, me. You know? I did, as a matter of fact. Um, when he talked about how how he was promoting the show, you know, amongst his family and loved ones, that kind of hit me because I I don't really do any type of promotion for the show like that. So it, it yeah, exactly. It's it, a great it example. It made me feel like it made me want to step up my contribution. I, I'm telling you the honest to God truth, man. When you guys did those episodes when I wasn't around for a while, and I looked at you know uh, how prepared Mike was, um, you know the the valuable the value of his takes and everything like that it really made me want to step up to the plate because before that i kind of felt like you know maybe some days i was kind of going through the motions you know what i mean just okay fuck, let's get this show yeah. done and, you know i'm not gonna take any notes or, or prepare anything like that i'm just let's just shoot the shit and get it over go back to whatever um but listening to the show you guys put together over those t- over those those few weeks that i wasn't available man that um uh, really made me want to step up to the plate and uh step my game up man uh i don't know it's just but go ahead i'm i'm kind of no 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 i mean no i mean this is this is your floor you're, you're not cutting me yeah, off um, by, by all means it's hard for me to to because then i'm gonna start getting emotional about it but you know i miss that brother man i really do you know um yeah and rehearing his voice on this realism yeah. like this week like i really really felt it like, um, yeah, for sure, for sure. I go back and I listen to a couple of his clips. I got some, you know, that I saved, and uh, you know, some of the ones that I really enjoyed. Some of the stories that he told. There was one clip I looked for for the longest time, man, and I couldn't find it. Uh, but I found. I'll play it at the, when we wrap it up. But uh, it was a story that he told about, you know, somebody that he was interested in and to, you know, pursuing in a relationship or whatever. And then somebody kind of dirty macked on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, and, and he missed like the best part of the 
story. We have to like that was another one though. That was one of my favorite ones too. That was, but that's not the one that I'm. Ta- I know exactly which one you're talking about. That's like my second favorite one of, of Mike's uh, story. It seemed like that was always happening to Mike. He seemed like he had a lot of those kind of stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, man, he just brought an enthusiasm uh, to it. I remember you were telling me you and him were having some conversations. Um, this is right after we found out his diagnosis. You were telling me that um, he was telling you about all these different kind of books and stuff he had been reading and just really oh yeah yeah he was really and this is like a kind of dirty secret for myself for the show but and i realized this the other day i've only just started again two weeks ago i've barely read a book in like the past two Mm -hmm. years i used to read a ton of books somehow the podcast has ruined reading Mm -hmm. books for me mike was buying and reading books throughout and he was like putting dents in them and like digesting mm-hmm. them i was like wow these are books that like i've talked about but i actually haven't even read some yeah. of these yet and you're actually already um reading them and he was doing that all the way up until um he got the diagnosis mm-hmm. and i was getting like you know that sense that he was really like digesting it and like um growing and i'm always so curious like where he was going where he would have ended up at with yeah yeah because yeah, some of the books were pretty were pretty challenging and i was like uh he's reading these like all at once like you know his brain's probably gonna really have a whole bunch of good questions and and stuff and it was kind of reinvigorating me to want to go back and read and then he got his diagnosis and i've only just started to um go back to reading again like two weeks ago and stuff. I started like picking up books and reading and stuff. And I'm starting to feel a lot of that enthusiasm come yeah. back for doing yeah. the show. I feel what you're saying hundred percent because I had like, got like three books that I bought when we first started doing the show, because we were talking a lot about, um, you know, the black Jacob, Jacob Jacobins and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah. and um, just a bunch of different, I feel like the show has kind of taken a different, um, kind of evolved into a different thing than, a, than it would it initially started out as. And I'm not, that's not a bad thing by any means. That's not what I'm saying, yeah. but um, just the content seemed like it was, a little tighter and a little different when we first started so i bought a lot of books related to some of the stuff we were talking about earlier and they're just sitting here man i'm looking at one of them right now and it just, <laughs> i haven't uh put a dent in it yet and mike was actually doing yeah it, you know? yeah the show was a lot more organized like information pack whereas i think now the information still comes but it comes more like free form very casual it's like very informal like you know like for example in this show we probably dropped a lot of games mm-hmm. too and stuff but but it was not like as regimented intellectual as like the early episodes yeah, sure. where we were straight up like, like lecturing. It, it is very different. I'm not sure if it's um better or worse, but it's just. It's I just think the audience has kind of evolved with us in that regard, you no? Know, because a lot of the same people are still here with us. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Uh, but we've managed to grow the audience well. You know, in addition to maintaining the the, the audience that we had early. So you know, who knows, man? It, it's always surprised. Like we kind of talked about earlier, it always surprises the hell out of me. Like the episodes people actually enjoy. Versus the ones that we think are going to be trash. And then, you know, the opposite could be true on another one, you know. And um, so we just kind of give them what they <laughs> got to give the people what they want, I guess, in a sense. Yeah. What they want, right. Yeah. But we yeah. try to feel, you know, we try to hit different needs for everybody. Like, we know we have the more leftist leaning. So we try to hit back. We got to get back to some of that, too. We've kind of gotten out of that for a while, too. We got to get back on some of the Fanon stuff, some of the Neely Fuller Jr. stuff and all that kind of thing. We got them and then we got, you know, our pro-black guy audience and got you know we just we got a lot of people that we got to feed on this show man yeah i, I noticed i noticed that uh 
with a lot of the fans of the show. Like I don't I don't read the Reddit page after that. I think uh no, it wasn't Reddit. It was uh what was it, T? You showed me. You talking about What's the, the, name of that website? the Discord? No, 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 oh, no. It's, the col- uh, the Collie? Oh yeah, the yeah. The Collie. Yeah. And the dude was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm 30 minutes in, man. This is garbage." Yeah. Like, <laughs> but but, but I, I'm gonna tell you, you get a thick skin to all that stuff because yeah, you, yeah, you kind of yeah, have yeah, to. Because sure. um, uh, you came a little later, but oh man, I'll tell you, the worst thing was a curious cat. That actually, oh, kid, you said that was just that was just too fucking annoying. Like that was after that, everything is. And there's just so many nasty people on. Twitter right now I don't know it's so fucking nasty like um right now in that whole leftist circle thing there's been this proliferation of just these really just extra nasty people and I'm like this is more proof that I don't really need to go too deep in this circle because mm. it's just it's it, you know it's starting to feel like a lot of what's happening in like the whole leftist circles it feels like it's not that different than what was happening in like alt-right or 4chan blogs like back in the day like it's just more for better causes but a lot of that like toxic like meanness for no reason thing is um, right. I, I have this theory about it and I, you know what I think I think to a certain level people who are just openly grasping and climbing and capitalistic and and uh you know boot licking and bootstrap bootstrappish to a certain degree they have more of a room to be nicer or cordial in their inner circles because they blatantly wear the bad parts of their personality as like their day job or their primary values so they have a place to get over on people or shit on people whatever you do it in their job you do it in their you know like someone like a ben shapiro right-wing personality or alt-right personality they just bash libs all day and stuff they say hateful shit about mexicans like, right. like their day job vent gets in place to vent all this stuff but i think with a lot of like leftists and socialists and social justice warriors and stuff because they're main project their main goal their main platform is about something so inherently decent that there's no real outlet for like a lot of that nasty competitiveness or stunning on each other or shitting mm. on each other in that project so it just unleashes itself in all these little microwaves mm. in the work behind the scenes i think that's why activists always end up falling out and having fights or people always end up canceling each other on on these circles or there's so many like nasty people making comments under activists or socialist things like that happens in, in real because that, you're 100 you're right that happens in, in in real world activism all the time you know i could show you i've shown you guys letters of of people that you know they've said some some wild shit you know during the course of you know what me and my people do and i don't know where it comes from but i know you know one of the things is people come to things you can have the people put making the same push but have so many different agendas or ways they want to go about getting there that a lot of times it ends up devolving to this lord of the flies kind of thing you know i'll give a great i'll give a great example like chapel makes a lot mm. of money and you know if we were in some like openly capitalistic uh or uh clout chasing type of circle people would just be like oh wow they're making that money i'm jealous but they'll just say i'm jealous like i wish i made that much money or you know or they'll say oh i can make that money too whatever but you know they kind of at least they acknowledge that there's supposed to be a certain level of um striving in it but like you know i think a lot of people in these leftist circles they keep pocket watching chapel and how much money they make but they can't admit either to themselves or others that a part of it is like i'm just fucking jealous or i wish i could make that money so they gotta have these like lofty reasons like you know that's not a good socialist thing to do to make that money or they have too much money you know that i don't trust them and all this stuff but you get this feeling from it that that's not really what it is this is too petty this is too venomous to just be about that this is uh this is that same type of 
social climbing or pocket watching or whatever that you've sublimated because you feel like you're supposed to be too good for it. But that might actually be better to have out in the open. One thing that I always wanted to ask, um, you know, the leftist socialist, because it's one thing that I, I don't quite understand. Um, and maybe it's because, you know, we got our capitalist brains on. We're in a capitalist society and everything that's marketed to us and, and put in our conscious subliminally or whatever is about money. And I, I one of the things that always confuses me is like, are are you supposed to be poor by default if you're if you're down with socialism? Like, what are you not supposed to try to start a business? Is there a, a, a right. cap that you should put on yourself when you do start a bit? Like, what what's the deal with that? Do you what's understand it, T? Or, or yeah, I don't really understand it either. And it's a very good um, it's a very good thing to ask because it's like, how much of a socialist idea are you really advocating for? Because one of the things that I get from a lot of people is that for all their talk about how they hate these things on a structural level or a systemic mm-hmm. level, on a personal level, people are really bought in to the individualism, yeah. into the hierarchy. Like, you know, okay, like I'm not supposed to have this much more money than anyone else, but I still believe in, you know, having the biggest brand. I want the most social media followers. Mm-hmm. I want the biggest Patreon. I want I want the most recognition within this circle. So at some level, you haven't quashed that striver or are wanting to compete. And, and another thing about uh, it, mentality totally. Another thing about it is I don't know how much of socialism or you know is that versus um, how much we've absorbed into our thought process with conservatives say socialism is. You know what I'm saying? Because there's yeah. a lot of propaganda out there about what they want and what it entails. But I feel like and it could be just me i'm not looking at the right sources but i feel like they do a poor job of combating that and really putting it out there what they do stand for you know with regard to individual achievement i guess you could say for lack of a better term like i I really don't know i think well i think one thing that's tough is that just a lot of these people they're not going to really want to give up this hyper individualized uh sense of self that they've cultivated under neoliberalism Mm -hmm. despite the fact that they hate neoliberalism they want just like i think they still imagine like this utopia to still have a form of it like you know this idea that you're not going to be able to stunt on anyone else in any in any way ever i don't think a lot of people are really um prepared to embrace that in their hearts even if they've kind of told themselves stuff about how cool they are with reallocating capital and stuff so i think a lot of times people don't work that part out because they don't really want to address it to address is going to be scary like because they're not ready for the answers i think like you know like oh what if you can't have a business that does better than someone else's business like you know like say like you have to redistribute every podcasting patreon so that everyone gets the same amount or something like you know why there's a personal like they're okay for the system to live to live that way like you know i'm fine for the system and the central part to treat everyone equally and divide benefits equally and reallocate wealth but on a personal level without somebody uh, mandating of me like you know am i ready to have my own individual business um have to reallocate shit or so is it just like um let's say you start a successful business small business is it in the socialist ethic like okay as long as you pay your employees a living wage if you provide them with health care pay your taxes taxes, all that kind of stuff like so do you i guess we're just looking at it or or should you or should you run it like should a you run it like a commie give right them pro- give give them because there's sharing. a lot of talk of um, co-ops and and things like that in the yeah room. some people yeah. want that to be the main type of bu- business 
that exist. Like, you know, um, and I think like the Communist Manifesto and stuff, like a lot of what it talks about really like reorganizing um, systems in that way in the, in the, in the capital realm, where it's like uh, everything's kind of cooperatively owned. And I feel like what a lot of people want is like social democracy, which is what they have in Europe, which is still like, you know, capitalism, but with socialist, uh, uh, with so more socialist elements. You know, I think that's what when people are advocating for socialism, that's what really what they're pushing for is social democrats. Whereas some people want the full blown socialism. But do we have an example of the full blown socialism? I'm not. I'm not even asking it ironically. Or I, I really don't know. Like, do we have an example? Because I don't. I don't know if you know. You hear about Canada a lot, but is Canada more like a social democracy um, or would? I don't really know because I'm speaking. Yeah, about yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Right, but uh, what I will say is that I think people have done small scale experiments of of co ops or small communities that have come close to what they talk about, but I don't think it's ever been successfully ever manifested on a national scale. Which is not to say that 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 means that it won't work or is on. infeasible because everything was infeasible until it was finally done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. So it's it's hard it's hard to say. Uh, one one last thing I wanted to say about um, systems and not systems, um, the black pathology of being in the of being naturally on the bottom and stuff is. I think when you think about the fact that um, reparations is money owed or a, a claim, same as like a tort claim or a wrongful death claim or a unpaid class labor action claim, lawsuit, and not like a, a class yeah. action lawsuit, and not like a social program is. You start realizing that you can't replace. The student loan thing for reparations because the student loan th- the student loans themselves are a social program right uh giving the giving of the loans is a social program uh giving back money that's not paid is a is a debt right so student loans themselves are a social program and then canceling them is kind of like a social program that you're enacting to uh rectify the poor social program that you uh, uh, enabled the first time so it's like trying to put that so it's kind of like a self-created mess mm. in a way Right. So kind of telling black people they should replace a self-created mess by white people that disproportionately affected black people as as a replacement for an actual debt owed by white people for hundreds of years of wrongdoing and deliberate oppression. Like you can't replace a debt with a social program. You can't tell someone who rightfully won on the merits their uh, car accident lawsuit or um, million dollar lost wages lawsuit or whatever Turn around and say, well, you know, you won this lawsuit and, you know, we owe you this money, but we're not, we're not in a social program. It's going to help everyone, including yeah. you. Uh, it's going to help you a little more than everyone else. Uh, how about that for um, a replacement? And it doesn't make any sense because I was eligible for that social program regardless because I was part of who was scammed by the first bad social mm-hmm. program. So I'm in the, like black people are eligible for that anyway. Like, like stop acting like you're giving them a favor by giving them a social program that they were as equally screwed by as uh, white people. It doesn't, that lift all boats thing doesn't, especially because it's going to help them too. Like the person giving that benefit, their kids now suddenly aren't going to owe money anymore. You know, they're not. That's the difference between equitable treatment versus equal treatment. If you treat, lift all boats is equal treatment. So if if your boat is raggedy as hell and has holes in it and every boat gets lifted, you still got a raggedy ass boat with holes in it that's taking in water. Whereas, you know, the people with yachts, they're living well, you know what I mean? But if you would get equitable treatment, then they would fix your boat first so that it won't sink and then get you level with the other boats first and then lift all the boats. You know? Exactly, exactly. That's, 
that's we can at Ken. Um, you there? LeBron James, man, I'm, fans can't. There, here they are. <laughs> LeBron James, Ken. What you think? Look at that. Can't be checking. Can't can't be like y'all are boring the shit out of me right now, man. Let me check. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, no, no, I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening to what you guys are saying, and you know the thing about it is like, uh, you know, when you talk about socialism. Uh-huh. Because I, I know you know you know a lot about this shit. Because when we first started chopping okay. it up, you would you would talk a lot about that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, what ends up happening is like so being here in Portland, you get a heavy mm-hmm. dose of it. You know what I mean? And I've always asked the same question: like, how much we know you don't want to go to Cuba's uh-huh. level? You know, we know that's right. not the case. You know what I mean? Be so it's almost as if I always you know I always look at a lot of these uh, socialism people, especially the white ones, like the mm-hmm. Occupy people. I look at them the same way. Like they are angry that they don't have what they believe they okay. deserve. So it's almost like, well, since we don't have anything, then no, let's nobody mm-hmm. have anything. But what it, all of that that's going to happen is the same thing with the Occupy people. It gives you a little couple of crumbs and you don't have to worry about, you know, being in, in squalor anymore. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, you get rid of those mad dreads that you keep calling dreads and get your regular job and you won't even be worried about this mm. shit anymore. So it's just another generation of the Occupy people, at least in mm. my opinion, uh, especially from a Pacific Northwest standard. Now, as far as uh, the way that people are doing that online, I don't even pay attention to that shit because those people go so mm. far into left field that I have no idea where yeah. they're going. That That's true because it's kind of like they're in this kind of uh, I feel like the biggest they're, epidemic. They just keep digging. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, you know, I, I, I feel the biggest <clears throat> epidemic that we have now facing this society and i feel like when i was re-listening to the jaya episode about tumblr it kind of made it clear and i'm like damn i wish i thought of this or someone else thought of this at the time we were filming it but i think the biggest commonality across the board is there's a retreat into fantasy that's happening now like worldwide or especially like in america and everybody's doing it. everyone's retreating into uh fantasy and i think it comes from this idea that people have kind of given up on having a real lasting change on the real world mm, yeah. yeah so so just having like you know making everything into fanfic or retreating into reality feels almost more real than the real world so it's easier to just think about black panther or think about yeah. cos- cosplaying as as I'm, uh I'm, revolutionaries I'm um i'm gonna say something very controversial so i'm gonna leave a disclaimer yeah. uh the views and <laughs> words that are coming out of my mouth <laughs> it does represent the champagne sharks but it really uh, doesn't so it's funny you just said that t because what has happened is when everybody starts choosing these weird lifestyles these alternative lifestyles all these different things and i'm not talking about their sexual their sexuality as far as because you know there's white gays and black gays that are capitalists like a motherfucker okay so i'm not talking about who they sleep with i'm just saying that because the internet social media everybody has created this person that they think they are who mm. they want to be it's like i was saying uh that yesterday you guys remember when superman died when doomsday mm-hmm. killed superman in the 90s and then they had like the man of steel and bizarro superman like all these different al- alternative identities of who superman was that's who these people mm-hmm. are like they can't figure out where they're supposed to go so they take their little bit of, of platform that they have and wherever you know group that they're associating with that becomes real Mm. life you know what i mean now when they go into into real life they're fucked you know what i mean because in real life you got to get a job you got to work you got to pay these bills you got to do the normal shit that we've been doing in this country for the last 250 years but i think part of their i think part of their solution and it's not going to work but i think part of the solution right they don't want to conform to the real world i think they view no they don't because they get to live in social media it's like the lawnmower man you're living you're living in social media 
But not only do they not want to conform to the real world, I think they think that they don't have the tools to make it in the real world. Like, like there's this idea they have that the real world on its terms, I can't affect a real change in it. Like, well, I, well, I, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't do anything different. So my new project, my new political project, is not only to retreat in fantasy, but to get as many people to retreat into my specific fantasy as possible. Well, and also, that's how I'll win. I'll get, I'll, I'll get yeah, everyone to retreat. That's true. But you my, know what also plays yeah. into that is youth, mm. because when you're young, you think mm. you're invincible. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, you think, not, you, not you think it's gonna last forever. Mm. Not only that, when you're young, right? And this is, you're dead on the money, but this is something else, right? Picture this. When you're young, right? You ever like play fight with somebody and you're shooting like fake guns at somebody? Oh, and, yeah. it's, and then somebody says, you should be dead. I shot you. And the other person says, oh no, uh, I had immunity because yeah, I, I, had a, I had an invisible bulletproof vest on that I made out of titanium. And then the two, you start, and the two of you start arguing over the fantasy without realizing, wait, both of you, this none of you shot in anybody because no one has a gun. There's no objective right or wrong here. You're no. both just fighting over whose fantasy gets to win. Like my fantasy says that I shot you, you should be dead. Your fantasy that, you know, oh, the rules should be this. And that's a very childish way of thinking. But I think people do a, adult politics like that now. Like, this is how I define things. That's how it should be. But, it, well, but I don't but define it the, that way. So right, but, they, right. but what they keep failing to understand is that there's only one place that you can even live like that. You can't live like that in real life. I'm not the one. I'm not the one that's, you know, they say the older you get, the more conservative you get. I'm not that guy. I'm not saying that you have to conform to the way things work. What I am saying is that I ain't create the game. You know what I'm saying? But there's a way to play the game. And if you were intelligent, you would start playing the game a certain kind of way until you can do things but, your way. But the problem is that's growing up. Mm. That's the problem. Like when you're a kid, when you're a kid, you play those games of I'm shooting yeah. you and not happening. But when you get in your first sports team, for real, you know, you suddenly realize, hey, I don't. There's a rules yeah, and regulations to go with this. Yeah, yeah. But I just that there's nature and nature runs everything. I could say yeah. whatever I want, but if, if the gravity, if I don't predict gravity right and I don't predict um, my speed right and I don't predict all these natural occurrences and the wet ground, I'm screwed. Like I'm beholden to nature. This is not like my kids game where I make the nature, but white people I'll tell you, I'll tell you, uh, never uh, get over that loss that they have to be subservient to nature. Like nature is something to conquer. Yeah, we talked about it's that. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you bring a, short, to heal. a short story about my daughter and like just, you know, my, I have a 15 year old daughter. I've been a single dad since she was one. So she's been with me ride or die since day one, basically. So my daughter's 15 years old, right? And uh, she dresses like kids today. They're starting to dress like you guys remember the show yeah. Blossom? That's yeah. how kids dress now. Blossom, Fresh Prince. They all dress, you know, shop at PacSun, all that kind of shit. So, and I don't care, you know what I'm saying? Because when I was a kid, I was wearing dicky suits. I, we, that's another story for another day. Same here. Um, <laughs> so my daughter, so my daughter, my daughter's 15 years old, and uh, I saw that she had this bucket full of clothes you know what i mean and they didn't look like anything that she wears now and i was asking i was like so what are you doing with these clothes you know what i mean oh it's not my style anymore da, 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 da. now two days later she told me she was applying for a job at journeys so i'm like okay cool you know so i said uh so what are you gonna wear to the job interview you know what i'm saying and she kind of like gave me this look and i told her i said the only reason why i'm asking you that is because i don't care what you do when you're around the house when you're in the community because i know how you are as my daughter and as a kid mm. you know what i mean but when you're going to start going into business you cannot get mad if people are not taking to your own personal mm. shit you know what i'm saying because i again i didn't make mm. the rules you know what i'm saying she did she was trying to get into a private school she's a dancer she dances really well she's you know fucking juilliard mm. shit you know so I, she was trying to get into this uh private school and i 
told her we were going to the interview for the school and she came out dressed in like I don't know what the fuck she was wearing. I was like, yo, you need to figure it out. I said, look, I got two sleeves of tattoos. You see my arms covered. You know what I'm saying? I said, look, when you get there, you do what the fuck you want to do. But to get there, there's a certain way you're going to have to play this game. And I think what has happened is with a lot of these people, they believe that the game is just going to keep, you know, the game that they're creating that they're creating is going to infiltrate into this bigger mass of thing that's going on out here in the but, world. But and his, his, but it's really just going to end too. up getting but, but, subsumed anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. For, 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 first, thing, let me make sure you're finished. I, I don't want to cut you off. Did you, did you, no, 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 I was just going to say like, you know, at the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? These people that are playing, they, they're trying to create this own game for themselves and they're trying to influence other people to play this game that they're playing. What they don't realize is that, and this is why I talked about youth. You know what I'm saying? When you're young, you think you're invincible. You th- one, you think you're invincible. Well, one, two, you think you know every fucking thing. You know what I'm saying? And they're going to wake up one day. Like, what the fuck happened? But, and but, yeah. but the, the key skill is, set won't mm. be there. The key is, that's a part of narcissism. Like, like a part of narcissism is that you function emotionally at the level of kid. You're like an emotional imbecile. Yeah. So it's like, that's what happens to narcissists. Narcissists tend to reach a point in their life where, you know, they can't, you know, they realize, fuck, I just squandered back my whole life acting like a child. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And now, like, some, sooner or later, they get like a wake-up call. But one of the things about the week children look at the world is they can't really imagine really fighting for things like they can only their idea of fighting for things is throw a tantrum and they can't tell right, the difference between right. that and fighting like you know but it's like currying favor and kissing ass throwing a tantrum doesn't work a child has no idea what to do next right you know like they have no idea how to actually fight for anything that's one of the things about when you say sports builds character or competition Absolutely. builds character it's like it kind of forces you to kind of realize there's things that you have to account for there's compromises you have to make there's limits that you have to hit but if you stay forever playing the fantasy game of we're playing uh cowboys and indians or dungeons and dragons and we can make the rules up as we go you kind of never grow to accept those limitations and i think what happens is like there's the option right that i think adults develop where they realize okay i'm either going to have to be a conformist and that way everyone's going to go along with me and that way i'm going to get a lot of acceptance i'm going to have to be a non-conformist but there's going to be a price to pay and i'm going to be expected to be not liked i'm going to have to make real fights and real changes like i'm probably going to have to really suffer and do whatever what we, what we see from these young people, and I, I can, you know, especially the black black people, young people, um, once they see that the game is not going to work, they go off the deep end. No, mm. that's 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 what I mean. That's a skill that they're not getting. That's a skill yeah. they're prepared for because, like, it used to be like, okay, like uh, I wanted um, wait Russia to become communist. I, I, I wanted a Russia to become they don't get yeah. is how to deal with uh, letdowns or, or uh, uh, yeah, they- yeah, well, not just not just deal with letdowns, but realize that if I'm going to be non conformist i better expect oh, okay. to fight got it to make my to make right. to make my it's not it's not all of our it's not the people who so-called and i'm using air quotes conformed it's not their job to make your path easy you're not gonna get yeah, yeah right. okay exactly exactly like like i can't just tantrum my way oh man that's except except damn, that's, a great that's how kids think that's how kids think kids think i can tantrum or or cajole my way into getting my and they take
take that wait, into adulthood. When it doesn't, yeah, yeah, when it, see, when it doesn't you, happen. You remember, I'm talking about a 15 year old, but we're talking about 25, 26, 27 year old, 40 year olds. Oh, like, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, mm. Mm. Look at these people having political fights on Twitter, and they're just throwing gifs at people mm-hmm. uh, yeah. to make their point. Like, they're, they're yeah. like, uh, I disagree with that. Show your data, and then and then they'll show like um, a Real Housewives of Atlanta gif. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. That's yeah. their that's their answer. Like, that's like how a kid thinks. Yeah. You know, and yeah, and um, you know, one last thing I'm going to say about this idea of black people being on on the bottom and stuff, right? Like, I feel like white people have more of a leeway to- I really um, want you to write a behavior. book about that, man. I'm trying to get you to oh, write yeah. or either a book or just a really in-depth essay, sort of like what Ta-Nehisi Coach did in, in, with uh, Reparations. Yeah, I was thinking about doing that because honestly, like we owe a lot of stuff to you because you're the one who made us podcast to begin <laughs> with and everything. And, and you brought everything together. So I feel like I shouldn't question your ideas going forward. Oh, man, know? I'll take it. But, Thank you. <laughs> the, the, no, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to I I feel like white people have more of a room to behave in the magical thinking because so much of this system is set up for them. Mm-hmm. But yeah. a lot of these black kids hanging out on Tumblr or alongside these people think they have equal leeway in society to make up magical rules too. And they're hitting like roadblocks because they don't want to admit that being black is the biggest problem mm-hmm. they face. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Sure. Right. And they're having trouble realizing like, like why can't I as a black gay uh, set an agenda the same way like the white gays do? Why can't I as a black feminist be taken as seriously as the white feminist? And it's like, and this way they get so mad. Whenever they hit one of these roadblocks, the first people to get mad at is the race first yeah. people because yeah. uh, it's, a, it's another reminder that we're right. And then because they can't bring their vitriol against the people they're a mascot for because they have a psychological block mm-hmm. against it, they and go back they and get extra mad at us. In the long run, yeah, in the long run, they, they don't matter. Yeah, yeah. They think almost like we've almost made this come true by our Damn. prophecies. Like, you know, it's that's your fault. Shit. It's your yeah. fault. That's deep. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah and, and But you can tell the, the white magical thinking differently because I'll give you an example. Most of the stuff that people call the social revolution that among white people, the socialist revolution, it's really white people getting a taste of things that black people deal with all the time. Mm. And what, what I mean by that is this whole student mm. loan thing, right? Black people getting degrees that weren't giving them money and being stuck with student loan and the degree not paying off for what promise of college was black people have been let down by college like way earlier from yeah. like, you know yeah. the Long boomer and ago. the boomer and uh gen x era you know like college is always like a bum deal like even like going to college, as far yeah, as like the, yeah. yeah go yeah going to college and stuff and it was always like this is an outdated metric that isn't bringing the returns it used to be but now that white people are facing like underemployment regularly and uh carrying student loans for a lifetime not knowing how they're going to pay it off suddenly it's a national emergency and a part of that comes from the fact that black people are supposed to be slaves so even this degraded middle class even this degraded version of middle classness is still better because at least you're not a slave be grateful mm-hmm. like you know uh but now that white people have gone from their ideal middle class existence to this degraded middle class suddenly it's a bridge too far and now it's a national crisis yeah wow um yeah i mean yeah. that's that's basically um Ooh. If it, if it was only black people with student loans, then everybody would have 45 different reasons why we messed up. Very true. You know what I'm oh, saying? It would always be, oh, yeah. well, well, you should have you should have did this or you should have did that. Oh, you should have went into STEM. You know, that was the, that and was it the wouldn't be a th- And it wouldn't be a thought that the that the system was wrong, but the, oh, no, no, the no, first no, thing would have been that. It's yeah, you, because exactly. yeah, you didn't go into STEM. You know, a couple years ago on Twitter, that was, a you know, a lot of those uh, fake uh, <laughs> those fake dudes <laughs> on there that know everything about <laughs> I'm trying to say without laughing, man. That shit was so funny. Yeah, you know, everything, everything would be, oh, you shouldn't have got yeah. a black, you got a black yeah. studies degree, don't you? Oh, you should have yeah. went to STEM. 
and, and like, now, what? And, and now it's funny is you don't hear from those people anymore. <laughs> they're gone. They're gone because because I think they got their STEM degrees and they're still unemployed. Dude, I have a pro I have a fucking program, dude. It's called UTJP, bro. It's the urban jet the urban job tech uh-huh. program. We can't even get black people in wow. the program. Yeah. Because if of the, all the all the things that you have to have. I mean, you have to be underemployed. You have to be underemployed or unemployed for 27 straight weeks. And one thing about black people is we gon' we might be under. We ain't gonna be under. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you be temping. We be doing something. You know, you have to be able to be unemployed that long means you have a fat. Thank you. You probably. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Which means you have wealth. You have some type of money. I I told somebody. I said most entrepreneurs are not poor. They come from families with money. Or the you have to have money to blow because you're gonna blow it. You know. Or the poor in like a liquid sense as far as like, oh, well, how much money are you making versus how much yeah. you owe? But if you look at like their resources they could fall back on from their parents or, you know, things like that, they're they're well to do. That's why like, let's say just pay right for exposure or code for free or, you know, take an internship, it's unpaid. And it's like, no, like you have to actually have money to take the unpaid internship. It's not actually yeah. a route like, like. Cause, you, Cause if you're doing an internship, you don't have time to work. You had an internship all day right. working for free. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? Ex- Exactly. It's so, but yeah, th- that fantasy thing, man. I'm telling you, there's a retreat into fantasy, and people's only solution now because they feel like the reason they can't learn to fight is like, okay, this is what I think it is, right? You have two two choices. It's gonna be, I mean, you're gonna have to conform, and I'm gonna have an easy way socially, or I'm going to be a nonconformist, but I'm gonna have to be ready to be like, you know, spit on and treated like yeah. crap. I better be ready to fight, like you know, like the original communist revolution in China and Russia. People kind of realize, okay, we have to wage a war for this. We're not going to be able to just think peace our way into this. We're going to have to like, it's going to be yep. paid in blood. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like now people just want to tantrum their way into uh, political uh, hegemony and, yeah. or, or cajole, like sweet talk. And it's not really going to work, but it's, it's especially not going to work. That might be why the upper crust is just so uh, smug in, in dealing with this kind of stuff. You know, they say things like, yeah. oh, that's just people on Twitter talking, yada, yada, yada. And they're so smug, even about the reparations conversation, right? Because their attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just having a tantrum right now though we don't have to pay attention to that and that may be why they're they take that approach because so far it has kind of been like a tantrum they don't seem to take us very seriously and understand that but this right. is a discipline but, but, but I'll, I'll slightly i'll slightly disagree i think they might have started mm-hmm. that way but i think they more take the black lives matter people you're right that you're right yeah if that's notice, fair yeah, yeah. yeah that's they kind fair. of yeah. pat they kind yeah. of pat them on the heads but if you notice that's now fair. they're losing they're losing a lot of patience with the ados yeah. people because yeah. they haven't caved yet like you know nothing they've thrown at them the student loan thing nothing has said there was a couple of things i thought they thought were going to reduce their like uh the bots thing didn't work the offering lift all boats thing didn't work the different things and i think the whole reason why they even introduced this serious talk of canceling all student debt thing is because they're almost desperate to shut up the ados people yeah, and, the rep- sure. and the reparations yep. but what they don't understand is that most of the people that are, are saying this are coming from all different walks of life what they don't like is that you know one thing they liked about the black lives matter people is that they all come from the same mm-hmm. fucking place yeah you know what I'm yeah. saying ideologically physically where they came from, from the yeah they're all from like middle class places they yeah, went to so school they know with what these to people do. they know what to do to them you yeah know? yeah it's easy but when you deal they've with they've gone to school with these people yeah. they've yeah. been yeah. next to these people they work next to these people yeah they know what to do they know how to scare them they know how to get them to shut up you just get and them ADOS is made up of a critical mass of people that yeah. don't like yeah. they, we've rejected those people we don't we don't want the the black lives matter and we don't want your bougie boule negro 
Negroes. We don't want no. They don't want the, the Pan Africanness. No. We're rejecting yeah. all of that. The normal tools that typically work when it comes to kind of corralling black people, and we're rejecting all that shit. No, we don't know. We're gonna have this conversation about. Um, it's almost like like uh, Huey P. Newton said the problem. Yeah, we're done with that. And now the numbers may not be as significant as people as we would like, but there's a critical mass where it's enough to where we can affect election, and that's what scares. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And, and yeah. people are seriously talking about not voting right. Democrat. And that's scaring the hell out of a lot of yeah. people. Oh it's my like, God. It's like, yeah. we're not voting for anything. We're just going to stay at home. And they're and not afraid to do it. Like the Trump stuff, yeah, that's yeah, not working yeah. with these people. Scaring people about Trump. Yeah, yeah. You can't scare them. They're already done. So, so yeah, I think if anything, they kind of are settled in for a long fight. Like, you know, they're they're not like I think a lot of people that like, throw a tantrum, then when election day comes, they just go into right. Democrat. Like it's just yeah, letting off steam, that. but they kinda cave in. These people are just ready to like be unpopular. They're ready to be unpopular. Mm-hmm. They're ready to be hated by everybody. At, at this point in time in politics, especially the way social media is working and the way people are becoming uh less politically silly, the Republicans will win a fucking presidential election for the next fifty yep. fucking years if they don't if the Democrats don't yep. get this shit together. Yeah. People yeah. Just, black people just ain't gonna vote. And there's and, enough and, white left. And this are not voting. They're like, fuck it too. Yeah, they're, they're like, like fuck it. You yeah. know, we can't yeah. get our people in the door either, you know, because we're not, they're getting fuck fucked it. because they're not getting the type of political yeah. change that they want to see. And yep. so, you know, we get enough people to just say, we're staying home. If you keep giving us these corporate Democrats, if you keep um, 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 giving us these pats on the head, not treating us and taking what we say seriously, have fun. <laughs> yeah, you know, look, what well, I think going to change for us is going to be the Mike Pence will been. be your president in 2024. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, yeah. But what I yep. think is scary though is right now there's this uh, growing faction within like this uh, new socialist movement of uh, these people who have become like this socialism has just become about nothing but being anti woke and anti identity mm. politics. And to me, what's interesting with them is they think they're the antidote to um, you know these crazy Tumblr weird identity mm-hmm. types and stuff. But what's funny with them is, to me, they're making their own retreat into fantasy. They're as much about identity as other people because they've made being uh, class first, uh, an anti-woke, so to call it, uh, a type of identity. Mm-hmm. Like You know what I mean? Like, they they fight identity politics, but using class first as almost uh, their identity. Like, they uh, believe in the, all these like superficial trappings of being class first and whatever. But they're these fantasies that are so... like. I was arguing with some of them, right? And they were like, no, it's the elites that have pit the um, poor whites, the blacks against each other. And once everybody realizes that the... elites are our enemy, you know, it's everyone's going to get together and they kind of almost act like somehow it's blacks resist. It's both the elites and also somehow black people's small mindedness or uh, lack of foresight and insistence on believing identity politics. All this is keeping the perfect working class revolution from happening. Like there's this class of poor white people with no agency who have just been like duped. But those, by those the- are the same people that, you know, uh, a lot of those are the same ones that were on the 9-11 was an inside job and it's the Jews mm. and Zionists and all that other bullshit. Or, 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 or even if they're bullshit. not literally the same type, even if they're literally the same people, it's the same type of fa- retreat into fantasy. Mm. Like, you know, this this magic world that uh, there's just white, poor people just waiting for black people to get, o- get over Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton and hop on board to this re- revolution. And it's like, black people have been down for a class revolution longer than yeah. everybody. Like, you know, yeah. they've been kind of rejected out of hand by everybody long enough that they that's the reason why they don't trust a lot of these people. And this idea that you take away this agency, like, for example, one, th- one of the things these people keep arguing with me is like, oh, racism came about because of capitalism. And, you know, they needed to create racism as a justification to 
sub to subjugate these people economically. And what I want to say to that is that might be true. Let's say that is true, right? Say that's the truest thing on earth that, you know, once they needed a class of people to enslave, they had to make some kind of rationalization where these people are subhuman. I mean, Joy DeGruy says that. I don't, I don't disagree with this. She kind of said mm -hmm. that, that you have to kind of make <coughs> create an uh, underclass black people subhuman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and convince yourself that they're less than human, whether it's through race science, whether it's through all through, through religion, whatever, saying that they're, they're the people of Cain or whatever. That all these things that they had to do, to, and that's where the whole black on bottom, white on top pathology sets in. Like this, I like you had to believe that. That's not the reason why it's still around. Like, like there's no. a lot, of, there's a lot of things that exist that the reason why they first started, no one even remembers anymore. But now it's ingrained yeah. in the system. Like just because capitalism was the cause of racism doesn't mean that capitalism is the only thing keeping it alive now is just the only way of life people know now it's just the whole value system that they inherited for hundreds or a thousand mm -hmm. years now it's their religion like like it's a received wisdom like, like mm -hmm. if you think of religion as a received wisdom that operates um by faith you know like it is like their received wisdom like they grow up thinking it so it's like this idea that you just take away capitalism and it goes away doesn't work because just because something started there's a lot of reasons things start and then the original condition that started it goes away and the habit still remains because now it's a custom now it's a culture yeah. and that's the, the retreat and fantasy that I'm, that I'm talking about this idea that you know you created on paper uh that um hey there's this worldwide coalition getting ready to um take place if everyone just gives up identity politics and and if you can't get rid of racism without getting rid of capitalism because uh capitalism's What's keeping it still alive? How do you know it's keeping? That's what's keeping it still alive. Oh, because that's how it started, and it's like no, it's morphed be between them. Like now, if you put some kind of socialism in without uh, tackling that white supremacy, it's just going to become a white supremacy awesome. version of socialism. Yeah. Because because yeah, it's it's taking a life of its own, and that's my biggest fear. You know, and I've expressed yeah. that before on this show and in private conversations with different people. Uh, we even kind of chopped that up in the Discord. Um, that's one of my fears, and I, I know that's what a lot of other Black people who may want to try some type of solidarity with leftists, but, you know, the, the reluctance is there is that will we be giving up that fight that we know will never really go away? It could, it takes many forms like you alluded to, and so even if yeah, we get... Yeah, yeah. Are we signing, are, are we just signing up for a... a, a race, social, for right, a exactly. And one of the things that... And these, and, and these people are so dumb and into their retreat into fantasy, like, they're, they're about their uh, cross racial class fantasy that they don't realize that the way they're trying to get black people on board is just reinforcing yeah. that fear like 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 they're around just walking around making fun of anybody who says anything like pro-black as like some stupid rube who needs to read marks or they go around acting like this is like called like stupid paul and they have all these people who just believe somehow that uh the right to do ironic racism is some great thing to fight for and it's not just the same as those free speech yeah, exactly. people who act like damn that's, saying slur I, like I wish I had thought that's exactly what it ended up turning into. That's yeah. what they sound like. And then no, that's what they are. That's not what it sounds no, like. No, they are no, that. They're just on the other that's side. That's what they yeah. are. And and people don't really they don't realize that you acting like a big element of socialism, supposedly the right to say slurs, like somehow you not being allowed to say slurs is 
something that's not going to be allowed in your new socialism because it's a it's a price too steep to pay. It's part of your free speech. That's not going to get black people on your mm-hmm. side, except no. for a certain type of black person. Yeah. Like 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 you know like 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 that's exactly what they're fearing. They're fearing a utopia that still involves me being reminded that I'm subhuman by slurs. You know, it's like I can stay in this this devil that I know instead of going to that going for that devil like you know uh like for a couple of extra dollars in my pocket you know uh for and it's not really going to close any gaps because it's going to be lift all both things so I'm going to get more money but I'm still going to be inferior relative to you you know I'm still going to have to deal with these slurs so it's like no thanks but that's their big argument to get black people on board like like they're not even smart enough to hide how valuable slurs are they're telling us that we should be comfortable with the process and and and, and I'll be honest with you that's a conversation i've had with myself like we have to make that compromise i've said that before like because to be honest with you man if we talk about a system of white supremacy we know that it transcends slurs right it's not just about calling somebody a nigger it's the systems that they have in place to keep us at the bottom so and people say that capitalism is the fuel that feeds that system so if you cut capitalism off the fuel that feeds that system is gone but the behaviors that shape that system are still there and is that something that black people are going to have to deal with. So, okay, let's say we take away the ability for them to harm us systemically, um, but the feelings are still there. Are we truly in a better condition than we were before? I don't know. Or or will the systemic ways they have to fuck us up just, just morph into something else? System? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So instead of, you know, us being um, fucked up this way, now for some reason, all like the union leaders that, that are getting passed over for some reason are black. Right. You know, uh, how are we going to uh, deal deal with that now? Mm-hmm. You know, and things and things like that. And that's something that this idea that racism is just a function of capitalism is, I think, a very naive retreat into fantasy thing. That, but do you uh, agree that capitalism is the fuel that keeps it having the type of power that it has to harm people systemically? Um, mm-hmm. this is kind of the problem. It's like the main engine that we know for most of recorded mm-hmm. history. So we still don't even know what other ways they could think of mm-hmm. because everything that's been tried under racism has been under capitalism so it's like i don't think we've had enough track record of testing to even come up with all the ways to possibly be racist under a socialist right. system but you know I, we we have so much more examples mainly because of opportunity and i think if we don't try to predict those ways that socialism can, can end up uh, reinforcing mm-hmm. white supremacy be, because we're so bought into this reassuring fiction that it's physically impossible to happen under socialism because that's what scares me like people have so convinced themselves that socialism is immune to perpetuating white supremacy that they haven't even allowed themselves to prepare for it mm-hmm. you know and it's kind of like i was watching an episode of game of thrones and it's funny to have this insight for one of the bad seasons but i thought it was a good insight was Littlefinger was talking to sansa and he's like the biggest power you can have he's like he's like everyone is my friend and everyone is my enemy and i work out every situation from both those angles. So I think of how will this work out? Everyone who says that my friend is really my friend. And how will this work out if everyone is really my enemy? And then he said, no matter what happens, I'm prepared for it because it played out in my mind. Like everything that happens to me is something that's happened before. And it happened before in my mind because I allowed myself to entertain. Whereas if I never allowed myself to entertain, you know, the opposites, you know, I would have been caught off guard like a lot, a long time ago. And I feel like that's what scares me about 
about the socialism thing is that a lot of people aren't allowing themselves to entertain that socialism can still be implemented in a way that preserve, preserve right, right. white supremacy just in a way that we're not used to. Because of that, I feel like they're most in danger of being but blindsided. But I, I, I hear by. you. And, I, and, and that's a very real concern. But also at the same time, that presents you with paralysis of analysis, doesn't it? I mean, if, you, if, you're, if you're stuck not moving, because we're fucked up right now, right? So if we analyze every well, possible well, well, thing no. that can happen, won't we be well, I, th- I think it's a false. Well, I think it's a false choice because you have to stop analyzing sometimes. Yeah. Like, I think it's something that people say, like that. You know, your the choice is either acknowledge racism and do mm-hmm. nothing, or not acknowledge it and move forward. But I think you still have to move forward and take action. Yeah. You know, it's just that you're taking action, thinking of all the possibilities or all and the dangers, and not only. Yeah, or or you know, just just being allowed to think it's possible allows you to recognize it when it happens, and I think that's kind of what I think is uh, scaring me is that people have blocked off a whole sense of possibility, you know, as far as things they're preparing for, and if it happens, they're really going to be caught off guard for it, or not even be able to recognize it when it comes because they didn't even allow it to be possible. And I think that's playing it's playing out like that. Um, I think some black people are making plans to move forward, assuming that we're going to be under a system of capitalism. How do we make moves under that? That some black people are saying, okay, we go forward and we're trying to push for socialism. How do we make moves under that? But then there's some uh, a, a small group that are trying to assimilate into a socialist structure already, where they get rid of all identity politics in their head anyway, and want to try to move forward like that, where we just dump all identities and move forward in, in solidarity on the on this socialist agenda. So it's like, yeah, yeah, and and to, and to go along with that, like say with the capitalism, some people think because socialism is the I want. I'm going to behave like socialism is definitely going to win. So you have these black people who aren't even wanting to entertain uh, reparations because uh, that sounds too capitalist mm-hmm. to me. I want, you know, I want this lift off or things like financial literacy and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas to me, one could make a make a claim if they wanted to that there's a socialist element to. Um, reparations if you want to think of black people as a group that's being made whole with everyone else but it's like for whatever reason they've convinced themselves that socialism and reparations like don't mix whereas i think what the way you should think about it is capitalism is going to win reparations is going to win either way black people don't have the luxury of uh not preparing for one or the other and putting all their eggs in Mm -hmm. one basket like white people are going to be okay as a whole either way black people have to start preparing for ways to be whole no matter who wins and i think not banking for what you're going to do if capitalism wins is very much folly like i think you should totally even if you think reparations is a capitalist solution you should be looking into that just as much as you're looking into what black life is going to be like under socialism because in the meantime you're letting a whole uh remedy just go untouched out of some loyalty you have to the socialist ideal mm. there's some things i want to talk about but i think we've gone on shit i'm long. down man. i want I'm, to talk no, about like, yeah oh, I'm, really? I'm, I'm locked in man I'm, i don't know kim seems kid. to be uh, <laughs> out to lunch man i don't know <laughs> i don't want i don't want to keep ken because i'm gonna talk about the asap rocky and not yeah Trump. yeah i wanted to get into him a little bit too hey what's up fam this is the end of the installment if you want to hear more go to patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks and become a subscriber for five dollars a month you can listen to all the back episodes as well as get the remainder of this episode so patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks hear the rest of this conversation hear a whole bunch of other conversations that you get access to as well thanks guys for all your support